Welcome to I'm So Obsessed, where we get the inside take from actors, artists, and creators about their work, their career, and the things they obsess about. I'm your host, Connie Guillermo. Angela Santomero knows kids. With advanced degrees in child development and psychology, the chief creative officer of Nine Story Media Group has helped create award-winning educational TV programs for PBS and Nickelodeon, shows like Blue's Clues and Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. I spoke to Santamero about the programs she's been working on to showcase diversity, inclusion, and community, and to help parents and preschoolers cope with the COVID situation. We also talked about why parents should not feel guilty about having their kids spend time looking at quality media on their screens. A quick note, because of COVID-19 and shelter in place, our conversation was recorded over the internet. So be prepared if the audio sounds a little bit quirky. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us. And I wanted to start by asking you the question that everyone is being asked these days, and that is, how are you spending time in quarantine? Uh, I am spending a ton of time on Zoom calls uh, and Teams calls. I um, We're still working. There are 1,100 of us at Nine Story Media, where I'm the chief creative officer um, and creator and executive producer of many of our shows. And so I am in meetings and writing and brainstorming all day about um, current episodes and new series about what we think kids need right now. I have to say, the reason that I was super excited to talk to you is that I manage our edit team here at CNET, which is the staff around the world, many of whom have children and are really having a challenging time, not just because um, whatever official school looks like is about to end for many of them. And uh, I say official school because obviously we've been in a very strange set of circumstances over the past few months. And what schooling looks like is an open question, depending on who you ask, but lots of concern about what's happening in the world, how you message, how you talk to children, how they're coping, how you fill time. And when I was doing some of my research about the work that you've done, and for our listeners, you're the creator of Blue's Clues and many other programs, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, but my son was a massive Blue's Clues fan when he was young. The thing that always struck me was that you start from a place of basic kindness as a philosophy for how you program. And I'm wondering if you could start by talking about that. We're living through very trying times right now. And just that idea of kindness as a fundamental children's programming philosophy is super interesting. I got into media because I didn't love what was out there for kids. And I know, I knew, or I know how influential media is. And so could we create characters that showcase kindness to each other, to themselves, um, to be actively listening, to being, you know, feeling like they're heard, to hearing others, uh, really just um, taking some of those strategies and some of the key um, elements that we would put under the broad sense of kindness um, into all of the characters, all of the storylines, regardless of whether or not we're trying to truly teach reading or we're teaching the arts or we're actually focusing on socio-emotional skills because kindness as a foundation is just 
the human um, aspect of what we're trying to say to kids um, to unite them. So, so yes, I am. I love the generation that grew up on Blue's Clues um, and that feeling that uh, they have a high self-esteem and that they feel heard and will use their voices because that's exactly the way when we had talked about this quote unquote interactive model where Steve at first was listening and now, you know, we've rebranded and we have Josh, who's our new host of Blues, Clues, and You. You know, he's listening and he hears and he cares and respects kids' point of view. And, you know, if you grow up with that level of kindness, you know, you really will use your voice to change the world. The science behind kindness, uh, you talked about active listening, having a sense of self-worth. I think uh, I also read something where you talked about when you listen to people or when you listen to children pausing and listening to them. Are those the elements that you're talking about? Yes, exactly. So the idea of pausing can be literally something that we find in attentive listening, right? So we're taking a moment not just to think about what else we're about to say um, or an answer to the question that's already being asked, but we're in the moment and we're immersed in that moment and we're listening. And so the way that pausing shows up in media really was this idea that Steve was looking into the camera and pausing for a really nice beat of time, a really good chunk of time, so that um, a four-year-old can collect their thoughts, can think about what is said, and then literally have the time and permission to, to vocalize it. And everything has a foundation in research and science, right? And so we have even a formative research team that works on every one of our series, works on um, you know, finding experts with curriculum and then out to kids for every episode um, of shows that we are writing and creating so that we not only have the science that's been done in academic research that we can look at, we talk to experts, and then we also believe the experts are the kids themselves to make sure that what we're putting into the media is actually what kids are getting out of it. How do you figure out what we need more of in the world beyond kindness? And I don't dispute, we definitely need more kindness in the world. But as we're coping with great civic unrest around racial injustice, at the same time, we're dealing with a global pandemic around coronavirus. So you're working actively with the more than 1,000 people that you work with. I'm sure you've had many conversations about this. So tell us a little bit about what those discussions are like, about what you think we need more of in the world and should be telling children today? So, you know, our approach has always been to think ahead a few years as much as we can because of how long it takes to create something and get it out in the world. Um, so when we're talking about what is happening right now, to be honest with you, it's a boiling point right now with regard to systemic racism and what's been happening, right? But it's been going on and it's something we've been tracking, um, of course, in media in terms of how can we, what can we do to talk to preschoolers? And then we know parents are listening, teachers are listening, and what can we say in all of our programs? So if you look at a Daniel Tiger episode, we celebrate differences, you know, if you, and that's on a very young age. We're also utilizing some of our characters that are tried and true, like a Daniel Tiger that kids love and look forward to, to create a sing-along episode that is strategy-based, that um, helps Daniel around issues as a three-year-old tiger, mind you, um, to have things canceled, that he has to stay at home, that he has to be, you know, we don't necessarily call out COVID, but we talk about what it feels like as a three-year-old to be disappointed, to be frustrated, to be angry, and um, how you can play that out. So we try to give 
view and do type of messaging um, where it's relevant so that we're inspiring kids with the media and then giving actionable takeaways that they can do, whether it's crafts or activities or picking up a book or being motivated to be with your family and enjoy some of the silver linings of what's going on right now. I want to just ask one more Blue's Clues question before I go on. And and I want to know if this is true. Was this show partly inspired? And I, you know, I read this on the internet, so that's why I'm asking you to check. But Ferris Bueller's Day Off, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, even the show Friends, were those models that you looked at? And can you tell us why? You know, uh, speaking of what I'm obsessed about, um, I've done, I'm definitely obsessed with media in general. And so I definitely, I draw inspiration from everything. So, you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit back in the day was so uh, mind-blowing in the sense of looking at an animated world with a live-action character or a live-action character with animated characters in it. Um, and then also thinking about, at the very end, being in the movie theater watching Ferris, this is totally dating me, but watching Ferris Bueller and waiting till after the credits and having him come out and look at the camera and be like, you're still here? Like, go home. (laughs) And it just struck me of like, oh my God. And I am of the Mr. Rogers generation, right? So I was used to Fred Rogers looking through the camera and talking to me as a preschooler and those memories resonated. So, you know, when you're creating something and all of these ideas bubble up, you know, that feeling, and I think this is what I've talked about, that feeling of wanting to sit on the friend's couch in Central Perk with your friends is, you know, the way you would love to experience immersive media. And so that's the approach that we've taken with regard to um, to Blue's Clues specifically, right? Like, what can we do with the look of the show that looks really different and interesting and fantastical? And so we created that storybook animation world um, with a live action character in it right? Which we think to this day still looks really different. So yes, I pull from all of the things I'm obsessed with um, and put them in the shows that I create. And I'm a cat and dog person, but I was also surprised to read that Blue's Clues was originally going to feature a cat and you went with the dog instead. Yes. And so my co-creator, Tracy Page Johnson, um, the two of us worked together in creating the show and she was obsessed with this kitten. And that's what we were going with. And when we were told we couldn't do it, which happens a lot, you know, when you're developing with a network where, you know, another show is being developed, it has a cat in it. So let's do something different. And we literally had a pity party. We were like, we cannot do this show. (laughs) There's nothing else that we could do. Um, And then she drew a puppy and we were like, there you go. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. (laughs) one of the things that i like about your shows not just blues clues but beyond is that you encourage kids to also purposely encourage them to interact with the real world and i think that is very different than a lot of other approaches that entertainment programming uh, takes 
Yes, exactly. I mean, I, th- I find that the two work so in hand in hand in the sense that when you fall in love with these characters, um, you're going to want them at your birthday party or on your cake or you want to hug them at night. So it all kind of works together. But my personal mission and in going into not to sound so, but I, you know, I'm an educator. I'm a child development person. I wanted to empower and challenge. I literally have mission on my wall to empower, challenge, and build the self-esteem of preschoolers or kids in general while making them laugh, right? So we want it to be entertaining and something that you rush to come to to experience this um, world or these characters and have your imagination grow or be inspired to go out and paint. And, you know, all of it is is so that the messages and what we have to say to kids is exciting, interesting, inspiring to them to go view and do. It's just been the way we, the way we do things. And I think it's separated us from everything else. And I think that's been quite helpful, actually. And also having that vision really helps elevate the fact that we know the audience that we're talking to and we make sure that we um, have that responsibility that, uh, of who we're talking to. I feel like that is more important than ever because many of the parents that I've been talking to are feeling tremendous guilt that their children, I think the average over the past two years has been that kids, you know, from the age of seven or eight to 18 spend, you know, like seven hours a day looking at a screen. And since we've been in quarantine, some parents are feeling guilty that they are having their kids look at those screens even longer. Um, Obviously, school now or has been online and via Zoom or whatever other tools um, your school is using. So screen time, what are are your thoughts on that? Any advice for parents? One uh, One of my goals in life is to make sure parents realize that they do not have to feel guilty about this, right? Um, The idea that you're choosing quality media um, is really what the most important thing is. So it's not that you have to be actively co-viewing, although, of course, with little ones especially, um, and even as they get older, having that co-viewing experience is a really great um, moment to have conversation and to talk and to bring up other issues. But just knowing what your kids are watching and wh- and how it's affecting them, you know, is it changing their language? Is it respectful dialogue? Are kids, are they playing? What are they playing after they're watching? You know, it depends on the age. What are they talking about? What are they interested in? And then tailoring, basically using media versus letting media use you. And then because of this view and do inspirational approach to the media, we talk about an hour of screen time and an hour off of screen time. And now, of course, during these days, it's not that easy to do. But if you can empower kids, let's say... You know, it's not even a kid's show. Let's say they're watching something on the, you know, cooking wise, and then it's inspiring them to want to go and do a, you know, do a recipe in their own kitchen. Like that's the goal, right? Is to get some more information, get something that's, you know, exciting, interesting that you can be immersive and leaning into. And then you go try it and be hands on and do that. Um, have the conversation, you know, make something, create something, get dirty, you know, fail. Those are the things that we want our kids to be doing, right? What has changed, do you think, most dramatically since you started working on children's programming in terms of what the research is showing you? I mean, we have a whole generation of Gen Zers now who have grown up with technology and interactive experiences and swipe left, swipe right, swipe up, swipe down, what have you, instant gratification in, you know, via TikTok and what have you. But when you look at the research, because I know that, as you say, you are very focused on that to so that you do meaningful programming, give us a sense of what you think has really changed or has surprised you the most, I guess, about what's changed. 
I think it's the power, you know, I think kids have the power now um, and we have the power now to choose what we want when we want it. And I think that power to the consumer is really um, has been really great, right? It, it, it definitely makes sure that producers have to up their game to make sure that their brands and their shows are something that kids are choosing or parents are choosing for them to watch um, because you have the choice. And I think that's a really strong, um, strong piece of it. And I think the idea that you have that power, you know, something like a TikTok is so interesting to me because it's interactive, they're editing, they're, they're you know, sharing, they're dancing, they're doing, you know what I mean? So there's a lot of that back and forth. And of course, as there are many pros to everything that's happening with all the interactivity and the apps and social media and everything with the media, there's also the cons, right? So everything comes with um, the double edge. And I think that we just have to look at it with regard to overall attention span. We have to look at it with regard to what kids are obsessed with, what that instant gratification looks like, and then try to feed them um, some of the other types of either content or other types of activities to kind of offset that, right? It's kind of like feeding, I, I always talk about it as feeding your brain the same way you would feed your body. You know, you wouldn't drink milkshakes all day, right? You have to diversify your, um, you know, your offerings. And I think opening up that cupboard to all of the different things that we're fine with our kids eating, you know, like they can eat as much, as many vegetables as they want. They can eat as many, whatever. And there's the sweets here. Da, da, da. And that's the same thing with our media. And I talk about it like a healthy green smoothie. So with your diversification of the shows that you're watching, um, as well as within each individual show, there should be something in it that's entertaining, the sweets, right? Because we know that they're not going to want to drink it. If not, there's the protein, there's the greens, the healthy, good stuff, right? Which is the education and the vision. Um, and then the protein is that that is that interactivity. It's that, do we get them thinking? Do we get them doing? Do we Are we inspiring them? Um, and so kind of looking at it that way, I think, helps to, to, to say, look, we have so many choices. So what are we choosing? Uh, you talked about sitting down with your team and plotting out, you know, what's coming down the pike and looking out years in advance. But what are you and your group really working on now? So we're working on um, something for preschoolers and parents with regard to this COVID um, situation in terms of, you know, beyond all of the washing hands such. It's about the emotional um, feelings that are going on and what's going to kind of carry and linger with kids. Um, even even as we go on to the new normal, as you said. And we're also working on, we're working with a team from Perception Institute on what uh, we can do in the programming that we're creating um, to end systemic racism. You know, what can we do? What's our part? You know, I love this quote from Cory Booker who says, you know, don't let your feeling that you can't do everything not have you do something. And so within our power and what we have that we're working on, which is storylines and characters and, you know, and series, what can we do? And so we're working deep with a with the company to look at everything that we're doing to make sure, not to not only to make sure, but to immerse ourselves so that we're telling the stories that we want to tell and pushing things even further for the messages that we need kids to have and the tools that they need. Can you can you tell us what one of the things that you're looking at that we can actually do? Because I I remember um, watching, as, as I'm sure many people have, the documentaries and movies that have come out about Fred Rogers. And one of the most powerful moments in that is when he talked about racism and put his feet in a pool of water with his black postman. Just, you know, normal. It's a hot day. We're going to just both put our feet in the pool together. And he described it as just like normalizing. This is what is every day. Why even think about it? We're just people and it, we're hot. 
And I thought that was a very simple but powerful message, which obviously I know as a fan of Mr. Rogers, you are well versed in this more than I am. But what what can you do? You know, I love that example. It makes me cry every time because, um, you know, at the end of the day, he was also frustrated that it's still, you know, it was still taking so long, you know, like this is, when did he do this in the, you know, late sixties or, you know, it's like how, what, what is that? So all I can say is if you watch, even if I just took a sliver and talk about preschool programming, there's a a zillion episodes about birthday parties, right? There's a zillion, we need a zillion episodes of people putting their feet in the water, you know, and we need a zillion episodes of of, of normalizing and positivity and celebrating the differences, not just um, talking about what's the same about each other. You know, we need to showcase that and showcase we're better together. Um, so those are just, you know, just simple things, but more of them, right? The the idea that repetition is the key to learning and we're not just repeating the same thing, we're repeating messages in a million different ways so that we're getting that point across. And I think as media, that's what we can do, that, you know, we just need to continue to, to put those messages out there in a very thoughtful way and all of us coming together to do it. You know, one of the also beautiful silver linings of this time has been everyone in kids media coming together and saying like what can we do like how can we be working together to to continue to to have kids really look at this you know holistically so that we're we're all you know we might be saying different things and using different characters and telling different stories but we have this like similar mission um, to make sure that there's representation, that there are strategies, that there are tools um, out there for kids to use. Um, You know, we're a tech site, as I mentioned at the beginning of this interview, and I'm curious, what is your favorite piece of tech? You know, my iPhone, is that too simple? <laughs> no, it's it's the remote control of most people's lives. That's the way I describe it. So. Right, and having everything at my fingertips right this second with all of um, how that's changed my life, you know, from remembering prior, uh, I think that really is um, from getting, you know, news so quickly to being able to vocalize your opinions on something, um, you know, just having it at your fingertips, right? I just, it is, it's, it's, I'm obsessed, addicted from the beginning, from way back when. Well, I hope you take a pause though from it at the end of the week or at the end of the day and um, don't let it control your life. A hundred. Um, the pause is needed <laughs> with all of us, kids, adults alike, exactly. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today. We really very much appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Angela Santomero for talking with me. And thank you for listening. We hope you'll take a moment to subscribe to I'm So Obsessed on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, be safe.